Hello everyone, welcome back to My Sprinkle Faith. I'm your host, Lizzie, and we are back in Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus by Nabil Qureshi. Um, this is the sixth part of the series that was supposed to only be four parts, but um, I am going pretty in-depth into this book um, as we talk about it, reading parts and glossing over certain things and going deep on other parts. So like I said, I am glossing over certain things because it's not as important that I think as other things, and so just make sure you go back and read it for yourself because it is an actually really amazing book. Um, and with that being said, we are in the truth about Muhammad, and so this just begins with um, Nabil just talking about who he believed Muhammad was and what he believed Islam was before realizing what it truly is and things that are actually said and. Um, like he's gone over in the past, he d- a lot of what he believes comes from what people have passed down to him, um, what people have said to him in the past, what his parents have said, not really doing a lot of research for himself. And so this actually brings up the point when he starts to do actual research on Islam and on Muhammad and that kind of thing. And so he just begins by explaining the message and the messenger of Islam. Um, and so, um, so, allegiance to one more than implies allegiance to the other. It is often defined by it. The message of Islam is intertwined with its messenger. What makes this surprising is that the same is not the case for Allah. Muslims who question Allah are usually tolerated by other Muslims, but questioning Muhammad is grounds for excommunication or worse, which I find is very interesting that it would be that way and not a different way. Also, if you hear weird noises, I'm sitting in a parking lot while recording this because I'm at my school and I have to wait for my sister to be done with her class before I can leave. So, I'm just sitting here reading this to you guys um, and talking about it in a parking lot. So, a little awkward, but it's fine. Um, so, uh, Muhammad is supposedly the man who has attained perfection. Um, Muhammad is the man that embodies Islam and that kind of thing. Um, Muslims cannot dispassionately discuss Muhammad, you know, what comes with the men's baggage and that kind of a thing. Um, so now this is when he goes over to Mike's house and they're doing their whole discussion that they've been doing for quite a while, but now they are talking about Islam. So they do a bit of an introduction, um, sharing information about Muhammad Uh, about Islam and about his childhood Um, and their greatest concern um, is he talks about 9-11. The greatest concern in the post 9-11 West among the average Muslim was to distance himself from the violent image of Islam and this was particularly true for me as an Ahmadi Muslim. I started off by emphasizing that Islam is a religion of peace and that Muhammad was the most merciful and ironic man in history. I assured everyone that the attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon did not represent Islam, driving the point home by relaying an aphorism I recently had heard from an imam. The terrorist who hijacked the plane on September 11th also hijacked Islam. Um, He also explains that Islam is from the Arabic root word that means peace. Um, And then he goes on to explain Muhammad's mercy on the day he conquered Mecca, when he forgave the Meccans, despite the horrific treatment of Muslims, um, as well as other battles fought, emphasizing that they were all defensive, um, and that Allah had miraculously intervened to give Muhammad his divine stamp of approval. 
and so on and so forth. He goes on to um, talk about all that Muhammad knew. He even refers to um, biblical texts in order to accomplish the point that, um, um, where'd it go? That Islam is the culmination of the Old and New Testament messages. So he brings that into it and... Um, like I said, I am going to be glossing over this part a little bit, but I highly recommend that you go and read it for yourself because, like I've said many, many times in the past, it is very important that we learn about other religions so that we can talk to people of those religions with the basis of knowing what their religion is and that kind of thing. Um, he also talks about eye for an eye and combined with cheek, turn the other cheek. Um, and he says that the that Muslims worship the same God as Jews and Christians um, and now he's being asked questions because I mean he was on the giving end of the questions these past few times you know talking about Christianity and the Trinity and all that stuff but now he's on the receiving end of these questions and um, he does a lot better job at asking questions than answering <laughs> so I've heard it said that Islam was spread by the sword but you're saying Muhammad engaged in only defensive battles can you tell me why your position is more accurate that's one of the questions that Mike started off with um, the question was common enough so he was able to respond um, the Quran teaches I'm not gonna be able to pronounce that uh, la ikra feeding um, I apologize, I totally butchered that. But, um, that's what he says. Imams often re recited the Arabic, Arabic for an extra air of authority, so I did the same. This verse is translated, there is no compulsion in religion. The Muhammad followed, and Muhammad followed the Quran so closely, he was practically a living version of it. It would make no sense to say that Muhammad spread Islam by the sword when he preached that there is no compulsion in religion. Um, when you discussed this in the past, people considered that response pretty adequate, but it turned out that Mike had read a bit about Islam before, while preparing for his debate. Once again, it's very important. But Nabil, there, uh, there are uh, other verses in the Quran, like slay the infidels wherever you find them. How do we know the verse you quoted takes precedence? Fortunately, he had heard the issue explained. Fortunately, I had heard the issue explained in a recent ketubah, uh, so I had a response. That verse refers to very specific circumstances. When the polytheists of Mecca had breached a contract with Muslims, it was not a general principle. The general principle is peace. How do you know that? I'm sorry. How do you know the historical co context of the Quran? From Hadith, books and records, tra traditions about Muhammad. But how do you know those are trustworthy? Keep in mind, Nabil, that I'm a historian. These are questions I ask of historical documents even when even when critically investigating Christianity. I can rely on the Gospels because the four of them were written very soon after Jesus' life in the community of eyewitnesses. How do we know that the books of Hadith are trustworthy? Were they written early? Were they written by eyewitnesses? This is a role reversal for him. Um. Mike, the eyewitnesses of Muhammad's time passed the stories orally until they were written down. Those who wrote them down were well-respected men who thought critically, making sure that the chain of transmission for each story was strong. That's why we can trust the Hadith. I see what you're saying, but how do we know that, Nabil? When were they ultimately collected? About 200 to 250 years after Muhammad. Um, everyone in the room leaned back in their seats as if the issue had been settled. Perhaps it was just a few 
but I definitely perceived that the whole room was beginning to turn against my position. Nabil, 250 years is a really long time to wait before writing stories down. Legends grow wildly in the span of time. Villains become much more villainous, heroes become much more heroic, ugly truths are forgotten, and many stories are created entirely out of whole cloth. I understood what Mike was saying, but he was undervaluing authority in our culture, almost offensively so. What right did Mike have to question the great imams of old? Um, or was he implying that those who passed on the the traditions were personal great personalities like Hazra Aisha or Hazra Ali were to untrustworthy? Mike was calling the reliability of early Muslims into question, and that is a concept so preposterous to Muslims that it is never even discussed. His question jarred me on many levels. Mike, you don't know the people that you're questioning. These were great men and women with sharp intellects and honest hearts. It is by virtue of their character that the Hadith was reliable. You're right, Nabil. Mike doesn't know these people, but what he's saying is that neither do you. The sources are just too late, and we have no reliable way to test the character of the people who pass on the stories. No, that's not my point, though it is a valid one. What I'm saying is that even if the most honorable, well-meaning people wrote down the traditions, they're still people. Stories grow over time, especially if they are removed from the source by generations. This is generally true for sto- of st- for stories that relate to a figure who's important for a culture- cultural culture's identity, like Muhammad was to the early Muslims. We can... We can't be so sure how accurate these stories are. Um, this is what, I mean, the thing is, Nabil had been saying that about Christianity. How can we know that it's correct? How can we know it's correct? How can we know it's correct? But as soon as he's asked, he makes up a reason that doesn't fully cover it. He's not um, necessarily going deep enough, if that makes sense, into the reasoning. And this is why... Um, this is why it's so important to be able to defend your faith and be able to know apologetics. And I'm not saying that every, faith is just knowing um, all these different things. Faith comes with more than that. But it certainly does start off with, not necessarily start off, because I don't think you have to necessarily start off knowing all these things at all, <laughs> at all whatsoever. I don't even know how these things. That's not what I'm saying. You don't have to start off knowing it, but it does help, like, sometimes when you know certain pieces it can help you to truly understand and stay in your faith and be able to explain to other people to help them in their faith and that kind of a thing um let's see they argued that i was leaving out important aspects of the verses i quoted such as the fact that in deuteronomy the one who would come would be an Israelite, and the comforter in John was identified as the Holy Spirit. Um, as a, on the other hand, the agnostics and Zach were observing more than participating, but they did raise a few questions about Muhammad and science, challenging the idea that embryology or astronomy are unknowable in Muhammad's time, but I was not able to really process their points. I had been so mentally rattled by the initial line of questioning that I was on the defensive and unable to assimilate more of our conversation into my mind. This is another reason why it's so important to understand and to um, be reading up on apologetics because there are going to be people who are going to try and rattle your faith, and it happens a lot. Um, But even though someone's trying to rattle your faith, you 
can take a step back and you can be like, hey, I don't know the answer to this question right now, but let me get back to you on that. That's perfectly fine. Don't be rattled just because someone has is asking you a lot of questions yes it's scary yes it's hard i understand i've been asked a lot of questions that i don't always know the answer to and it's it can be difficult um and just make sure that you stand strong in your faith as much as you can and you know that includes when someone is asking questions or trying to prove their point and that kind of a thing just know that you know you have a faith and you know, do some more research, that kind of thing. Um, I highly recommend that. Um, I did not change my opinion about anything that night. Only one thing mattered to me, and it mattered tremendously. I had failed to move the mind or heart of a single person toward Islam. All my gusto, preparation, and prayers had not been effective. Far from achieving my objective, I was usually going to walk away... I was actually going to walk away with a sense of defeat. Why was I unable to defend Muhammad, a man who needs no defense? Why could I not gain any headway in the conversation? By the end of the evening, my friends convinced me that I had to study more carefully to learn the truth about Muhammad. Um, it's important to learn the truth and to study hard into it. Um, and that's why I think it's important that you study hard into Christianity. Um, but also, this just goes to show how much, like, you know, God is playing a role in it and being like hey i'm like i'm gonna make you feel this way so that you do more research and so that you find me and you know me and you know the true me and not the me that um you've been told to know all your life um and then we go on to the next chapter which is the picture perfect prophet um Again, a lot of the things come orally. They're not really primary sources, unlike Christian, unlike Christians learning about Jesus from the Bible. The Quran has very little to say about Muhammad. Whether the East or the West, Muslims usually only hear stories about him. They have no concept of details that might have been accidentally distorted or intentionally altered. Um, so then they talk about. He talks about Muhammad's first biography. Um, do 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 do. This shows that the earliest records of Muhammad's life are altered versions of previous stories that were also altered. Um, it says, Things which it is disgraceful to discuss matters with, which would distress certain people, and such reports as my teacher told me he could not accept as trustworthy all these things I have omitted. That is the beginning of his very first biography. I do not doubt... Um, that Ibn Hisham had noble intention, but it does not change the fact that he altered Muhammad's story to make it more palatable and to remove the things he considered unbelievable. Um, I believe that a lot of Christians do this about Jesus and about Christianity and the Bible. Do not do this. Do not take out the parts that you don't want or that you do not agree with. That is not the Bible. Um, sorry, I just had to put that as a side note because it is what happens a lot. Um, you know progressive christianity is a huge thing right now and it is not biblical it's not accurate um and it completely changes who god is who jesus is and what he's done for you and what he asks of you um so just like this guy changed everything about or a lot of stuff about muhammad christians are starting to change stuff about jesus and that's not cool um so just had to throw that out there um so Islam's learn an airbrushed portrait of Muhammad. Um, 
goes on any other so is the next verse that directly raised to Islam and Muslims. The penalty for those who wage war against Allah and his messengers and strive upon earth to cause corruption is none but they have but that they be killed or crucified for or that their hands and feet be cut off from opposite sides or that they be exiled from the land. Unfortunately that verse is also ignored in the process of selective quotation. Selective quotation. Know things in context and do not do that. <laughs> Just so you know. Um, so he asked David to help and he was more than willing. Um, so he had given a speech early in the co his college career that extolled Muhammad as a great and influential leader. And he was eager to revisit what he had learned with a more critical eye. He promised to get back to me in the near future. Um, in the meantime... Uh, Nabil had started to read the hadith and every hadith that he could get his hands on. Abba's library um, had a full copy of some of them. Um, so he just sits down and begins to read. Um, this is, that is the collection that Muslims consider the most historically authentic. So he expected it to paint the same picture of Muhammad that he had always known. For the first time in his life, um, instead of being directed to one, he was reading on his own eyes straight from the source. Uh, it did not take long for him to realize that Muhammad, uh, that the Muhammad he had come to know was actually filtered, and it took him about 30 seconds to realize this. It tells a familiar story and includes details he had learned when he was young, but there were particular, particular but there were more particulars here than he had heard before. Instead of recounting that the angel simply asked Muhammad to recite, Muhammad reports that the angel caught me forcefully and pressed me so hard that I could not bear it anymore. Each time the angel asked Muhammad to recite, the angel pressed Muhammad so hard that he could not bear the pressure. After his encounters with the angel, Muhammad returned to his wife terrified, his heart beating severely. After this, the angel did not come back for a while and the divine inspiration paused. This was not the picture of Muhammad I had come to know. It was raw, far less flattering. Here was an unfiltered, or at least a less filtered version of Muhammad. What's more, there was a cross-reference to another hadith in Sahih Bukhur that elaborated even further. I retrieved volume 9 from Abba's bookcase, found hadith 111, and read through it. In an instant, the hadith shattered my illusion of familiarity with Muhammad. It said that when he saw Gabriel, his neck muscles twitched in terror, and when Gabriel had gone for had gone for a while, the prophet became so depressed that he intended several times to throw himself from the tops of the mountains, and every time he went to the top of a mountain in order to throw himself down, Gabriel would Gabriel would appear before him and say, O oh Muhammad, you are indeed Allah's apostle in truth, whereupon his heart would become quiet and he would calm down. I was shocked motionless. Was the Sahih Bukhara Bukhari I can't pronounce that, I'm so sorry. Really saying Muhammad contemplated suicide as if to emphasize the hadith went on to say that whenever the break of in inspiration became long, he would do as before, but he used the to reach the top of the mountain, Gabriel would appear before him. I stared at the book in disbelief. Far from the noble call to prophethood, Muhammad was violently accosted by a spiritual force that terrified him, driving him to con contemplate suicide on multiple occasions. And this was not just any book. This was the Sahih Bukhari, the most trustworthy book in, of Hadith. 
It was then that I began to realize that I had inherited an airbrushed image of Muhammad. Of course, the real Muhammad was not a picture. He was a historical man with a real past. That was the Muhammad I resolved to know, and if anywhere, he would be found in the pages of history. But it was as if each effort to regroup and learn more resulted in another bomb being dropped. So he continues to read volume one, had a three. Um, uh, I'd heard, he had heard them often, and including Muslims should avoid harming others, 110. Feed the poor and greet strangers kindly, 111. And even follow the golden rule, 112. No doubt this was the loving, peaceful Islam I had always known. But when I reached Hadith, 124, my jaw dropped. I'd been ordered, in it, Muhammad says, I had been ordered by Allah to fight against people until they testify that none has the right to be worshipped by Allah and that Muhammad is Allah's apostle and offer the prayers perfectly and give the obligatory charity. Then they will save their lives and property from me. Were my eyes playing tricks on me? Muhammad was saying that he would fight people until they became Muslim or until he killed them and took their property. That was impossible. It ran counter to everything I knew about Muhammad and it contradicted the Quran's clear statement that there is no compulsion in religion. I simply cannot believe it and so I hurriedly moved on to the next hadith. 125 um said the greatest thing um, said that the greatest thing a muslim can do after having faith is to engage in jihad as if to clarify what kind of jihad um it clarifies religious fighting the mental dissonance was too much to bear i cannot process it cannot think cannot even get myself to move in fact sorry to move in fact from right there where i was i flopped on my belly and uh, Oh my goodness, I cannot read. From right where I was, flopped in my belly in Abba's library, I called out to my father for help. Abba, I need you. Um, I don't know what to do with these. Look. I handed Abba the two open books, pointing to the hadiths with, with Muhammad's contemplation of suicide and his vow to kill to convert non-Muslims. Abba silently considered them for a short while. He tried to mask his surprise, but I could read him too well. That he had to check the cover of the books to make sure this was actually Sahih Bakari was um, was also a dead giveaway. All the same, he did not betray any concern when he finally spoke. Nabil, there are some things that we do not understand because we are not scholars. Read the scholars' books and it will all make sense. But Abba, if the Hadith was the most trustworthy sources, those are what I'd rather read. Beta, it takes years and years to learn all this information well enough to draw appropriate conclusions. It's good that you are starting, but these scholars are further down the road. They've asked the questions you're asking and have found the answers. It's wise to learn from their efforts instead of reinventing the wheel. Um, and so he goes on to look at some other ones, uh, like Muhammad, his life based on the earliest sources. So... This guy, Martin Lings, is who wrote it. He was an Englishman who had studied at Oxford. was is a student and close friend of C.S. Lewis. Who, um, if you've not read any of C.S. Lewis's work, I highly recommend you do. I haven't read a lot, but he's pretty good. Um, I like his. Uh, the Chronicles of Narnia are always good ones to read, <laughs> but uh, some of his more theological ones are also amazing. Um, I haven't read many. I read one, but they are pretty good. 
With a surge of newfound excitement, I returned to Ling's book and flipped straight to the section about Muhammad's first revelation. My elation was short-lived. Here again, I found an incomplete picture. Ling's referred to Muhammad's terror, but he made no mention of suicidal thoughts. There was no reference to it at all, not even an explanation for its omission. It was as if he did not know or did not want us to know that it even existed. I quickly looked at Allah's order to Muhammad to convert or kill non-Muslims, and I could not find that either. Um... Where was the truth? Why did no one deal with the difficulties in Muhammad's past? Now, um, I, I, like I said before about the cherry picking thing and pulling things out, um, you can't do that. And in both christianity and and islam obviously people have done that and um they pull it out to fit their needs and to fit their wants and um to convert people because you know christianity looks a lot a lot more appealable when you can do whatever you want and when you can yeah like when you can do whatever you want that's what a lot of people take out is you know the fact that no god calls you to not do certain things um and they're, they're, I'm not saying <laughs> that um, I'm not trying to relate necessarily the Bible to this because obviously um, the Bible is truth and um, you're not necessarily being told to go kill people in order for them to turn towards your um religion so it's not the same i'm not trying to make it seem the same i'm just saying you can't cherry pick just like you know people nobody else figuring out the people cherry picked this and the truth about muhammad you can't cherry pick what you want about jesus and what you want in the bible that's my point i just want to make that clear Anyways, um, he comes across another section, the threshold of war. The chapter seemed to say that it was the Muslims who were the first aggressors against Mecca after Muhammad had migrated to Medina. Muhammad sent eight Muslims to lie in wait for Meccan trade caravan during the holy month. Even though this was a time of sacred truce for Arabs, the Muslims killed one man, captured two others, and plundered their goods. Um, Ling's made every effort to expolate the muslims but that did nothing to allay my growing concerns my teachers unrelentingly had asserted that the muslims were always the innocent ones the victims at the receiving end of meccan ridicule and persecution that is why they fled to medina but it but could it be that after muhammad and the muslims were finally able to live freely and peacefully they were the ones to draw first blood if i had learned anything through my insights it was that i did not know the whole story learning the whole story guys very important um that's why it's so important to read your bible i mean obviously read your bible a because you know you want to be in god's word and he can speak to you through it but also get to know god better get to know who he is um and get to know history the truth it's so important to learn the truth and so reading your bible is so so important um even if it doesn't always seem that way um so uh, uh, I'm going to keep reading. For the next few weeks, I began studying the matters on the internet. My online research slowly consuming me. I uncovered reams of information about Muhammad that I had never known. It 
seemed that each point had been brought under the microscope of anonymous online investigators who were either criticizing or defending Muhammad. The online debates were rank and rhetoric on both sides. On the one hand, non-Muslims will criticize violent stories about Muhammad, sometimes being gracious in their conclusions, but usually defaming our beloved prophet. In response, Muslims would zealously defend Muhammad either by dismissing dismissing the stories outright or providing an explanation. Examples of dismissals are plenty. One such account is when Muhammad ordered a warrior to assassinate a mother of five, Asma bin Marwan. She was breastfeeding a child when she was murdered, her blood splattering on her children. When the assassin told Muhammad he had difficulty with what he had done, Muhammad showed no remorse. Even though this account is in the earliest biographies about Muhammad, the Muslims online pointed out that it is not in Sahih Bukhari or other trustworthy hadith. Therefore, they just dismissed it outright. As a Muslim who trusts in the limitless compassion of Muhammad, I really wanted to believe that they were right. But sometimes the Muslims online tried to provide an explanation of her, for her, a horrific event, and I just could not go along with it. For example, in the aftermath of the Battle of the Trench, Muhammad captured and beheaded over 500 men and teenage boys from the Jewish tribe of Kariza. After the Muslims killed the men, they sold the women and children into slavery and distributed their goods among themselves. Since this account was found in both Hadith and Sarah, the Muslims online could not argue that it was fabricated. They instead took to justify Muhammad's actions, actually arguing that the Jews had been treacherous and deserved what they got. But I could not accept these explanations. The merciful, kind Muhammad that I knew as my prophet would never order men and boys to be beheaded. He was a prophet of mercy and peace, nor would he sell women and children into slavery. He was a defender of the rights of women and children. I found no one violent story after another about Muhammad. I consciously tried to dismiss each one, but uh, one just like the Muslims online, but subconsciously the pressure was building. How many could I dismiss? How was I going to be on like this? How was I going to go on like this? Sorry, I cannot um, I believe we have one, no, we have two, three, how many more chapters are in this one? Give me a second. Oh, only like one more. Okay, so we have one more chapter in this section, um, and I think I'm going to end there, uh, just because it is really hot out, and I really want to, yeah, I want to get in the air-conditioned car, but... I'd have to crank the AC because our AC doesn't actually work. So it would be way too loud to talk in there. Um, in a few weeks, David got back to me with his studies. Um, he had a set. We had set out to study the questions. Is Muhammad a prophet of God? Surveying Surat Rasulullah, Sahih Bukhari, and the Sahih Muslim. He found dozens of traditions that he argued stood against Muhammad's prophethood. He compiled them in a binder and handed it to me. He was pursuing the following question. Would an objective investigator conclude that based on Muhammad's life and character, he's a prophet of God? In his binder, there were a whole host of issues that I had not come across. Some of these bothered me him a lot more than they bothered me. For example, Islam commands Muslims to have no more than four wives at a time. Yet Muhammad had at least seven at one point. I told him that Allah had given Muhammad special permission in the Quran to have unlimited wives, so it was not really a problem. He responded, don't you think that's suspicious? At least a little. Again, making it what you want it to be. Um, given that we know... Um, what Muhammad said is not actually the word of God. Um, I can say that. Um, 
he was trying to make a religion based on what he wanted um and not truth so that is why i'm saying that um David also took serious issue with Muhammad's marriage to Aisha. According to a handful of hadiths, she was six when Muhammad married her, and he consummated the marriage with her three years later when he was 52. That is so disturbing. David argued that because of his example, young girls all across the Muslim world are forced to marry at an age far too young for their well-being. But my Jamaat taught that these hadiths are inaccurate too so i was not bothered by them either one by one david presented additional traditions that challenged the idea of muhammad's prophethood um each progressively more offensive muhammad had been poisoned on his deathbed he felt as if the poison were killing him he had black magic cast on him he revealed verses he later admitted had been from satan he tortured people for money he led an attack on unarmed jews he caused his adopted son to divorce so he could marry his daughter-in-law he told people to drink camel's urine the list went on and on at first i tried to respond to the particulars of each tradition but with each additional story, it was clear I was not being objective. In my frustration, I began studying books on Hadith methodology by acclaimed scholars, listening to schol- scholastic lectures, and reading commentary after commentary, trying to determine how to discredit the tra- traditions that maligned Muhammad's character and de- defended the Hadith that portrayed the prophet I loved. But there was just no razor. I could use to dissect the two none except the idea muhammad must be a prophet and therefore these stories must be false um just a quick side note if you want to learn more about these different stories there um they are cited in the book so i highly recommend you go look at the book find the citations read those as well i have not done so so i can't really speak on them but there they are in there if you would like to read about them but there was just too many stories even from reputable sources of hadith reputable oh my goodness i can't talk over time they reached a critical mass after which i just denied the authenticity of each tradition it was all i could do otherwise i would be overwhelmed i began to understand why the biographies biographers and my teachers had all done the same thing when i realized i was trying to dismiss about a hundred such stories i could no longer avoid a hard truth these stories came from sources that built the historical foundations of islam how much could i dismiss without causing the foundations to crumble put another way i realized that if i kept denying the reliability of the traditions i had no basis for calling him a prophet in the first place i could no longer proclaim the shahada not unless there was something else something other than history that could vindicate muhammad there was only one way out of the dilemma the quran now um to read an ex- excerpt contribution on the historical Muhammad by Dr. David Wood, PhD in philosophy Fordham, by, at Fordham University, director of Acts 17, apologetics and host of Jesus and Muhammad, see page 339. That's a little side note on the end. Um, if you are interested, um, just one of those things about citing, citations. Um, the next part is the holiness of the Quran, which again, I'm not going to go into right now. I think, um, I'll go into that next week, but, um, I don't have too much commentary on these chapters. I just wanted you, I wanted to read them to you guys because like I've been talking about, it's so important that we understand, um, other religions and that kind of thing in order to defend our religion, um, our faith and to share apologetics and to be able to, um, 
what's what I'm looking for, to be able to connect with other people while we're talking to them about Christianity and that kind of thing. So I think it's very important that I talk to you guys about these chapters, give, even though I don't have too many commentaries on it, like I do most of the other chapters. Um, so I just thought you should know that, and that is all that I have for today. Um, I really hope that the sounds of the parking lot weren't too much for you guys. I know they're a lot for me right now. I can hear them very, very loudly, but I've been trying to talk really loud into my microphone. So I hope that helped. I apologize for the horrible sound quality, but here you are. Um, again, this was may not seem exactly like a very important um, chapter, because it, it's not talking about um, uh, apologetics or about Christianity very much, but I think it is important. Um, and I follow. I've seen this one guy on TikTok and on Instagram and on videos and YouTube and stuff of him being able to talk to Muslims about Islam because he knows a lot. And I think that's why it was so important to me that I read this these couple of chapters to you. So. Um, there are your chapters for Seeking All of Finding Jesus, part, what, six now, I believe. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and have enjoyed the past few episodes about this book. And there are more to come, I promise. Uh, there's a lot more because I have a lot that I want to say about other chapters. So, that is all I have for you guys today. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week, and God bless.